courtside with. Uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen, and he's presented by Southwest. <clears throat> And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, a dynamic energy company committed to exceeding customers' expectations today while innovating sustainable energy solutions for tomorrow. Now that's imagining energy differently. Dang. That was long. It was long? But it's like the radio equivalent of a red carpet being rolled out. I mean, that was... The players like you? (laughs) I just got surprised by that. I knew you were going to say something, man. I'm not like, even. I'm not even giving you eye contact. I'm not going to come over the phone with you when you ask me questions. Oh my I'll god! Listen to me. Oh my god! I got a segment now on your uh, segment <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Someone else gets it. their name in something, and oh all of a sudden god. you're going to start saying something. Jeez. Here we go. Oh boy! I can see how this segment's going to go uh, every single Wednesday. Yeah. I can see what we've our got chemistry here. is in a great spot. Uh, I can nothing, tell. I can there tell. aren't any warning signs about what's going. You see where I'm going here? No, I will see because usually you're filling in for me, or you're filling in for him. So the three of us now together for one segment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a little concerned about the chemistry issues here. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little. I'm a little worried about that. So uh, no, of course we're not. Kellen Olson, our resident Suns guru from ArizonaSports.com and Arizona Sports, joining us for his now weekly segment here on Opening Day. Happy Opening Day to you. Oh, roll up the sleeves and off we go. Right, you're you're ready to sacrifice your life basically every other night to watch this team, and hopefully that's in a that's in a good way. It's going to be in a good way. I still think. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. What are you most excited about? I'm most excited just about the matchup on the court tonight. I know that there's the narratives behind it, the revenge game and seeing everything, but I just want to see. I always love to see the first game following a playoff series the following year to see how much sticks, how much doesn't. Dallas is a little bit of a different team, but schematically, are they going to trap Book like you talked about for that yeah. entire series, Gambo? Are they going to allow Mikel Bridges to get switched off Luka Doncic? Is Chris Paul going to be picked up full court? How are they going to defend Luka Doncic? They really, Dallas really broke Phoenix's defense in that series because they were either trying to commit to Luka as a playmaker or a scorer. They could never contain both enough. It was just switching off one or the other and Dallas really made it work. So I'm really interested to see how much carryover we see from the schematic uh, things that will be going on on the court. Yeah, I'm expecting that Maxi Kleber's going to play tonight. And then what I'm hearing that Hardaway is going to be the first guy off the bench. They're really going to look for him to shoot the three and to be that scorer. So I am interested when he comes off the bench, when Hardaway comes off the bench, I want to see how the Suns defend him. Because you got to defend those guys. So he'll be the first guy that they bring in. He's a guy they're going to look to to score, shoot the threes. So I want to see how that second unit contends with him and how they defend. Gambo, I wonder if they can do what they, what the Suns can do what Dallas did to Devin Booker with Luka Doncic because Jalen Brunson no longer being involved means that's a lot on the shoulders of Tim Hardaway Jr. you just mentioned, but also Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's going to be in the starting lineup. Hardaway comes off the bench. They've got JaVale McGee in the starting lineup. The big X factor they're looking at for this season is undoubtedly Christian Wood because the offensive dynamic that he presents as a pick-and-pop guy, an ultra-skill hyper-athletic big. They haven't really had anyone just like him offensively, and I just wonder where they're going to make up for Brunson, but the thing that we've learned watching the Suns is when you have a limited amount of ball handlers, it puts a lot more stress on those top guys, so I wonder how aggressive they are in denying Luka and really denying Luka his spaces and forcing other guys to beat them. What? Okay, the Mavs 
the changes they've made. The Suns, the changes they've made are are subtle, but they're significant, right? I, I mean, I know those are two almost you know opposite meanings, but th- there's been some subtle changes. But in terms of the rotation, in terms of the guys coming off the bench, in terms of a new starter now in Cam Johnson, maybe they're not so subtle now that I think about it. There are. It's going to look different for the Phoenix Suns. What do you think we might? notice first, other than the obvious, Cam Johnson's the starter and Jay's not here. I think the number one thing is how much Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and actually Devin Booker are going to bring the ball up because I don't think Chris Paul is going to be doing nearly as much of it in the regular season. Look, these types of storylines develop in the preseason and through training camp of things you want to tweak schematically. And You'll remember DeAndre two years ago in Chris's first year, they were really incorporating him as a part of the offense, but 10 games in, they bailed on it, and he was kind of just playing the role that he has since. I wonder how much those three guys are going to bring up the ball and how much for a lack of a better phrase like Chris Paul just stands in the corner for a bit it, it just seems like in the preseason he was doing that a lot more and that is something that allows him rest which is what I think all three of us want to see we want to see him saved a bit more for the postseason but there's a delicate balance there because who is better at assessing the floor and getting the best outcome possible every time more than but anyone he already paces himself Paul. better than any player in the league so you don't think he needs to get that extra rest in the game Look, because yeah it's about opening things up for Mikel Cam and DeAndre but above all else like don't get it twisted this is about preserving Chris Paul more through the season. Right, but once they start playing every other day like they did in the playoffs, all that stuff goes out the door. Because he had plenty of rest last year going into the playoffs. He had plenty of rest. And he tired out because the game sits every other day. Like, there's no rest. I mean, they, you go look at how many times they played every, you know, back, not back-to-back, but every other day. It was almost all of their games. So there wasn't a lot of those three-day... I, I think, and Bernsey's talked about this, I, I think that more than anything to me, it's just experimenting with other guys that can handle the ball in case he gets bogged down and he struggles in a game because he's tired because he's because they've got a good game plan for him or something like that. So I don't know that resting Chris Paul a couple minutes here or there or not having him handle the ball is going to do much come playoff time now. But I do think uh, that it could affect uh, to what Bernsey's talked about a lot is the, the ability to have other guys take that role and show that they can do it. I'd also be curious, like, how long they stick with it before they decide mm-hmm. yeah. we're not winning basketball games doing it like this and, and I, I would agree that early on you can for lack of a better word sacrifice a couple of these games in the name of trying to figure out something different but if, if it's not clicking if it's not working how long do they stick with it before they go hey, you know what scrap it let's go back to the way we were doing things because we're not we're not having the success we want and that, nobody can answer that question at least not yet it, it was a great point by Gambo because the, the internal debate not only for those of us watching but for the Suns themselves is going to be like okay is this worth it is he not going to reach Chris is he not going to reach that end of the road we've seen for the last two postseasons by the finals two years ago he was worn down he didn't look like Chris Paul we were like what's going on what's what's injured what is happening with him New Orleans he's masterful he 14 of 14 in, in that game he's amazing Dallas series doesn't have anything left. It's it, it's just gone. So can you get him to the point where he's sustainable throughout the whole postseason? But then if you're 17 and 14 game and you've been doing this and he's not touching the ball that much, you wonder, well, like we got to win games at some point. And do we even know if this is going to work at the end of the year? At a certain point, it's going to it's going to reach that point. I I believe. Now I don't think it's going to go that badly by any means. I think they're still going to be the best regular season team in the Western Conference. That's a hot take around a lot of places. But I believe they're going to still have that is a hot take around a lot of places. <laughs> I still believe. 
the regular season dominance is going to be there. This starting lineup is going to obliterate other teams. It just comes down to how much their bench can do. But again, we're going to see a lot of the starters incorporated with the bench. But that is going to be the the, narr- the narrator kind of speaking over in like January, February on those possessions. Like, how much are you preserving him, and how much to Gambo's point does it matter when we get to April and May? My concern is just simply in the regular season, nobody's doing much game planning of anything. You got a game here, and then a game two days later, and another game. You're in three cities in five nights. Like, there's not. But then you get to a seven game series. And after the first two games, we all thought the Suns were going to sweep the Mavericks. We thought they were going to sweep oh, yeah. them. And then the Dallas Mavericks decided to make some adjustments. The biggest adjustment that they made on Chris Paul was they were leaving him wide open at the three-point line. And they took Dorian Finney-Smith and with his long arms, and they put him back towards the paint by the free-throw line. And they said, look, if you're going to drive, I'm here. We're going to dare you to be a catch-and-shoot guy. And that's not him. That's not him. So they didn't have like a, a traditional guy on Chris Paul. They trapped and doubled Booker, which which made him reverse the ball, and that allowed them to get back to the rotations. And they just had a gigantic guy and Dorian Finney-Smith with all that length play off of Chris and say, okay, you want to take a three-point shot? That's what we want you to do. Now, he's a good three-point shooter, but he doesn't. But he's not a, like a catch-and-shoot guy a whole lot. So I think they, they were very good at taking him out of his game. The most interesting thing about that game, though, is it's a mindset thing for him because we often see him when he's semi-opener, just open, hesitate, and then he doesn't shoot it. The numbers over his career, he shoots over 40%. Which is crazy why he wouldn't do it. He's awesome, which and he's like he's a genius on the basketball court. So why wouldn't he shoot it? He is going to have to get over that mental hurdle this season and shoot them because he's going to have a lot more opportunities than the way the offense is orchestrated. Now. Last question for you before we let you go. We were talking about this earlier on the show. What this sounds almost blasphemous to ask this question. What does Devin Booker need to get better at? What would we like to see Devin Booker get better at? Where's where's the where's the growth? What, what, what's you know what I mean? It's putting the cape on. That's the final threshold for him to reach through. It's it's being a top five, top six player in the league and. When Chris got hurt at the end of the All-Star break, and and we saw after the All-Star break, he was doing everything for the team, and he was doing it in a positive manner consistently. There's helping your teammates get better when you're a star, and then there's just opening everything up for everyone, and he is that good of a player and that good as a combo guard and just a playmaker beyond the whole scoring thing and the shooting thing. Like As a playmaker, he's at that level, but how consistently can he do it, and can he do it when there's four minutes left in the game, when there's three minutes left in the game? Maybe when Chris doesn't have it going and they're trapping book, okay, can he overcome those traps now and, and do it in a more precise manner that Gambo was talking about earlier in the show. I think that's the next step for him, and I think he can do it. And if he can do it this year, then they're going to be a real handful for anyone they come across in the playoffs. Like him taking a big step more than anyone else is, is important on this team. I'm going to enjoy having you, you on the show once a week. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate Gambo, it. Gambo, it's a pleasure as always. Say hi to all the players for me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. You act like <laughs> I wrote that. Said. You know how I am. I, I don't want to hear that. The other one starts with Devin mentioning my name. Like, I don't need to hear any of that. Oh, you've heard, there's another one? You've heard it? All right. Got, see you guys. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to go get food. I, well, I haven't heard it, but he has. I, I, I didn't I didn't realize there was another I one. I wonder if he hear. had to like, I would, that's Ke- probably his ringtone. Kellen is big time. <laughs> He's approving his own intros on a show. I haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. This is, this is, this is out of control back there in production. This is out of control. No, I'm just kidding. We love Kellen. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, if this season doesn't go, they want it to. Could they do something drastic? Like, really drastic. Somebody predicted that. We'll tell you who said what next on Burns and Gambo. I'm not like that. I'm a humble. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, I'll give the folks over at the ringer credit for this. They don't... When they say they're going to make a bold prediction, 
Okay. They they nailed it. It's bold. Right? It's bold. It's bold. It's bold. It seems highly, highly, highly unlikely. But this is from the ringer.com, which you know, I I think does a really good job, very comprehensive job covering the NBA. So I'm not I'm not gonna I like the website. I, I go to the website a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of surprised they went there with this one. 19 increasingly bold predictions for the 2022-23 NBA season. And some of them aren't that bold. Number one, the Clippers are going to win it all. Okay, I happen to think so too. Number five, the Denver Nuggets will win at least 60 games. All right, that's a lukewarm bold. They're going to be good. They get Jamal Murray back. All right. Scroll all the way down to number 16. The Phoenix Suns will trade... Wait for it. Chris Paul. Oh, man. They think everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. What? I mean, that is just, I mean, that's everything's dead. If you're saying that, you're thinking that this season is going to go the wrong way for the Phoenix Suns. They write, Phoenix okay. very well might already be a team in transition. That doesn't mean they'll blow up everything and join the Weapon Yama sweepstakes. But for a team that reached the finals two years ago and was a heavy favorite to return last spring, High expectations make identifying the right decision a challenge. Then they talk about Paul's contract. They talk about his activity in the preseason, that he's starting to look like the 37-year-old that he is, especially on defense, and that's not a a revelation. For a reeling organization that may find itself wanting to prioritize its future instead of the present day, moving on from Paul before his contract becomes a negative asset makes sense. They even mentioned two teams. <laughs> they, they even mentioned two teams. They did. Oh my God, they did it. They, they did. See that? Yeah, there they it is. Mentioned Look at the that. Clippers and the Lakers as teams that would want to get Chris Paul. Now listen, like if it, if it got to that point, like what would it take for uh, forget about the organization? What would it take for us, the fans, to say? This season, they're not going to win anything this year. You might as well get something for Chris Paul while you can. This thing is done. Would it take? Him being cooked, or would it take the team being cooked? Um, I, th- I think, I think that it would be more the team being cooked than him. I mean, if he comes out of the gates and he's cooked, you've got some real problems because I, I don't know that nobody's going to want him. Nobody was going to want him anyway. I, I mean, for me, I think it would be that the team is cooked. I think it would be some, and, and I won't name names, but some catastrophic type of injury. Um, Ooh, it, it, would, it would take something really, really rotten. 500 really bad, basketball really teams. Really sideways. Yeah, something that just doesn't see. I mean, this seems, okay, I get it. Like, I, I get the doomsday stuff about the Suns. I get it. The, the Sarver stuff and the Jake Crowder and DeAndre Ayton and the, the, the tumultuous offseason the organization had and, and not getting Kevin Durant. I get all of that. Okay, it was not a great offseason. It was not a great offseason for the Phoenix Suns. No one can deny that. But are we going this far off of the doomsday cliff that we're anticipating a, that one prominent website that follows the NBA very closely? Very closely. Very closely. This the is Ringer not, does a good job. This is not like, I, 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 you know, Clippers some... Clippers will win it all. Fly-by-night website that does a so-so job. This is the Ringer. They do a really nice job covering the NBA. We're going there? Okay. I mean, that's, that's where we're taking... I'm so you, surprised. You mentioned this. a couple of them. Okay, but, and none of them are that crazy until you get to that one, right? Clippers will win it all. That's their first one. 
76ers starting five are going to rule. Okay. Don't expect much from the Lakers. Okay. Um, Steph Curry will make a dominant return to form. Okay. He had a great game last night. Nuggets will win at least 60 games. Well, like they're high on the Nuggets. Okay. A lot of people are. It's not crazy. The Magic will become a league pass darling. I get it. They're young with all those kids and Boncharo. And I think, I think the Magic is going to be fun to watch. Okay. Luka Doncic will finish with the highest usage rate in history. Okay. John Morant will win MVP. Not crazy. Not crazy. Not crazy. Not crazy. Hawks will win at least one playoff series. Not crazy. Okay. Scotty Barnes will crack this first all-star team. Really like Scotty Barnes. Okay. okay. Ben Simmons will lead the league in assists. Okay. I mean, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little bit of a stretch, but he is a really good passer. Yeah. 50 players will average 20 points. Okay. Zion will win the scoring title. Yeah, that's a little, that's a, that's a little okay. bit of a stretch. Again, not these crazy. Are, these are all like, okay, th- these are the kind of predictions I would expect to T-Wolves see. T-Wolves have a top five defense. Yeah. Knicks are going to make the play in game. Suns will trade Chris Paul. It's like, it's the outlier right. for all of their predictions. Right. Here's like, 22 predictions. One of them's going to hit you like a brick. <laughs> right. And the rest of them are just like, here you go. It's like I'm having a salsa tasting contest, right? Yeah. And I've got mild, mild, medium, mild, mild, medium, blazing freaking hot. Your tongue's going to fall out of your mouth. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, hot, water, oh, man. milk, something. Give me now. I'm right. dying I mean, here. all of those right? predictions, whoa. like they were all like, okay, all right, Zio, Ben Simmons, know. okay. Chris Paul's going to get traded by the Suns. Man, you would, again, it would have to go to hell in a handbasket. It would have to be so bad that be- the Suns are like, you know, that they. They, they they come out of the gates and they're terrible or like you know like you said I mean an injury which we don't want to talk about but one of those things would actually get you to the point where you might even yeah. consider it and I, I don't I don't even want to, to emphasize what I'm talking about because I don't want anybody to you know it's so let's not talk about that because nobody wants to go there um, it seems crazy to me it just it seems like that's I mean we just had Kellen Olson sitting here a second ago he still thinks the Suns are going to have the most wins in the Western Conference in the regular season he's like I think this is they're starting his words their starting five is going to blow it up. There's going to be impossible for anybody to stop. I, I mean, how do we go from that to this? I don't know. But I, I just cannot see it getting to that at all this season. Just can't. But some of these other predictions Okay, got, now there were, three, again, there were two other ones. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, different articles. Different articles. Yeah, three Not same website. predictions for the Suns. Uh, this one came from Bleacher Report. 32 predictions for the upcoming season. DeAndre Ayton will average 20 plus points per game. See, now that's mild salsa right there. That's okay. I can dip my chip in that and not burn my tongue. I can handle that. Cool. That'd be great. be awesome if DeAndre Ayton averaged 20 points per game or more. I, I'm Look, we haven't barely talked about him today. I can't wait to see how they use him tonight. I don't think it's going to be drastically different, but you give a guy that kind of money and you match an offer in 90 seconds, you're kind of making a commitment to him at a level that maybe you hadn't done before in the past. I want to see what that looks like starting tonight. Yeah. How much they use him. I just have my, my I think my eyes are always going to focus every time he comes to the bench on, let me go see if him and Monty are good. <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> just okay? every time. Everybody Everybody good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Nobody's yelling at each other. Okay, good. I got through that one. There you go. One down. Instead, we're 7,422 more to go. We're going to have to follow Mr. Orange on Twitter because he'll give us the updates on what's said between the two of them as they're walking off the floor. Uh, one more. What do you got? Uh, yeah, let's see. What biggest team, disappointment. What team will be the biggest disappointment this season? SB Nation, a different writer, said the Phoenix Suns will be the biggest disappointment this season. There's a good chance that the Suns slip down the Western Conference 
different standings. Yeah, well, yeah, no duh. Yeah. To quote my good friend John Gambadoro, yeah, there's a good chance they could slip down the NBA. What did Kellen say? Best record? Did he say best record? That's what he said. That's his belief. That's his belief. Hey, they can finish with the best record. Well, remember, the website's pretty good. Yeah, the, the website. Those yeah. sites all said 60 had to, wins I, last year. Cost you had me a hundred bucks. You bought them pizza. I had to buy, buy like four pizza. It cost yeah. me a hundred bucks in pizza. You might, if for those who missed it last year, this time a year ago, every writer in our web department said the Suns will win 60 or more games. And after the one and three start, you just eviscerated all of them on the air. And to your credit, when they got to 60, you brought them all in pizza to say, sorry. Did we have 60 games all by all you guys' pizza? <laughs> eviscerate you the way I did. Mm. When we come back. So many topics to cover with the general manager of the Suns, James Jones. And our exclusive conversation is coming up next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, brought to you by the all-new Sonic Chop House Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. State of the Suns. Prince and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. James Jones is that key decision maker joining us here on this Wednesday. Opening day for the Phoenix Suns as they get ready to take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight at 7 o'clock. A game you'll hear right here on 98.7 FM. James, happy opening day to you and always we appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait to. We're, we're across the street right now. I can't wait to be in there for the game tonight. Let, let's just talk about the West. Jamal Murray's back. Kawhi is back. Zion is back. Rudy's in Minnesota. Man, it doesn't get any easier. This West is loaded. Man, it's, it's exciting. If you're a basketball fan, um, you have to love what's happened across the league. I, I think you see a lot of good teams, a lot of good players. Um, it's exciting and, and it's it's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to watch, but more importantly, it's going to be fun to compete in the Western Conference this year because I think uh, if, if you can make your way through it, uh, you'll 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 be a really good team. That's a gauntlet. We had Mikael Bridges on the show yesterday, and we talked about Cam not getting the extension, and and he said he he felt worse for 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 Cam than Cam did. Cam said everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Give me your thoughts on on not being able to agree to an extension with Cam. Did you feel like you guys were close at any point? Yeah, I mean, I thought we had some really productive conversations, and and uh, it's one of those things where there's mutual interest on both sides, and. You don't get it done now, but, you know, we look towards the future. We, we know that Cam's a big part of what we're doing. He's going to step into a starting role this year and play tremendous uh, basketball. And uh, we'll be talking again next summer about how we keep him here for the long, long term. Yesterday after practice, he had cited the uncertain ownership situation as maybe – he called it interesting. and said it made the conversations, conversations interesting. How much of that was a factor in your negotiations, not sure about the ownership situation? How'd that factor in, James? I mean, it's one of the factors. It's, it's not the overriding factor, but – you you look at it and say, you know, what does the next ownership group look like? You know, what's the direction they want to go? Um, like, are we at a different stratosphere? Um, are we, you know, continuing to, to, to build internally? Are we going to add, you know, something externally? And and then just getting an understanding and having an understanding of, of who will be leading your franchise for a player like Cam. Um, and you talk about committing to a franchise long term. I thought. I think, and I still believe that's exciting for him. So um, it was a factor. Um, it didn't prevent us from doing anything, but it's definitely something that, that we both talked about and he thought about. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, he has a tremendous belief in his ability, 
and uh, we just couldn't come to an agreement. I was going to say, just to be clear, you had the authority as the general manager to sign Cam to a contract extension if you two could have agreed on a number, though, correct? Yeah, if we could have agreed, we, we would have been able to 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 sign them and 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 get them locked in with us for a while but it didn't happen and we'll look towards next summer okay. let's talk about the, the situation you guys are in right now with jay crowder he's not he's not with the with the team he's not going to play it's been three three plus weeks now where there's been the ability to trade him something that you're looking at that he's looking at why has a deal not gotten done at this point uh, we just haven't we haven't found uh, a deal or we haven't been able to to, to, to execute one. Uh, we have options and, and we're working through those options. But our real focus has been on you know this adjustment, this transition um, with our lineup and, and the expected increase in role for, for a lot of our guys and, and those guys playing differently. Uh, so it's something that we'll monitor and it's something that we'll address. But for us right now, um, it's just one of the things that we're we're focused on this season. You've always been a patient guy. Is 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 this? And obviously, you're not in a rush to trade him if you're not going to get the right deal. But do you anticipate that something will happen sooner or later? I can't tell you. Um, you know, this this thing is it's amazing how this this league works. Um, things can change in a day. Things can change in an hour. Uh, if I try to forecast when, uh, I'd be disingenuous. But for us. When it when the opportunity presents itself, uh, we'll we'll execute it. You know, we'll jump on it and, and we'll make a move and and we'll continue to build forward. I know you pretty well. You've you've done an amazing job. You and Monty are building an incredible culture here, where guys want to be here, other guys want to come play here, and and that has a lot to do with with the culture that that you've built with the Phoenix Suns. And I, I've known you to always be a guy. If a guy doesn't want to be here, you're you're not going to want him to be here. So, with that being said, were you somewhat surprised when when he uh, informed you that he that he didn't want to be a part of the organization anymore? No, I mean I think it was an ongoing conversation where we just thought about like in the long-term interest of the player and the franchise, and like, where were we trending? And, you know, to Jay's credit, Jay's a pro. You know, it's not like Jay refuses to be a part of this. We just decided that for him and for us, it's best if we pursue, you know, alternative options so that, that both both groups can move forward uh, with clarity. James, last one on Jay, and then I want to ask you about the the roster that you've got going into the Oprah tonight against Dallas. Any chance at all of him coming back, or has that door been closed and locked? Um, I'd never say never. I mean, I just, as of today, you know, we're still pursuing other opportunities. So okay. that could change, but I'd say right now, um, we'll pursue other opportunities. Lots of James Jones, general manager of the Suns, our guest here. Opener is tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. We're all excited about it. Gambo and I are right across the street from Footprint Center, and we'll both be there tonight. What are, what are you the most curious to see about your team tonight? Because there have been some subtle changes off the bench. It's going to look different. What are you the most curious to see about this version of your basketball team tonight, James? Uh, just how we start and how we finish. You know, I want to see if, if the things that we've done in practice um, you know, the, if the word carries over. Um, i just love to see us come out and compete tonight. You know, we know this is game one of 82, but you always want to start the season off right. You always want to start off um, to your standard. And so if we can go out here tonight and play with energy and, and just really compete, um, that's that's good because I think if we do that at home with our crowds, um, with our continuity and chemistry, we should be in a really good spot tonight. What do you expect from DeAndre Ayton? After the deal got done, you matched the max offer for the offer sheet from Indiana. What what are your expectations for DeAndre for this season? Um, I think DeAndre has taken leaps offensively, defensively. I, I expect him to continue 
you know, to try to level up his offensive game. Um, but I know he'll be excited about playing tonight. Um, he always is excited about opening night, especially playing against Dallas. You know, him and Luca. Uh, draft mates, good friends, guys that uh, have same representation, um, really good competitors. And so I, I think tonight he'll be great, but going forward, he, he understands we need him to be really good for us to reach our potential. Jock Landale is a guy who impressed all of us in, in the preseason with, with how he played. That, that was one of your offseason gets in free agency. He's a guy, I think he's, I always describe him as just different, right? He's different than most of those centers with his abilities and what he can do. How much of a factor do you think he will be on that bench? I mean, he's, he's, brought, he's brought something different to us. He's brought a different skill set, but he's also brought a different level of intensity. I mean, Jock will be the first to tell you he's a guy that knows his limits, and he pushes them every minute he's on the floor. Um, so I just like that. He's, he's not what we're accustomed to. He's not a guy that's been here, um, a guy that has any expectation that it'll be easy. He knows he has to go out there and fight for it, and, and that's been a good – injection of desperation into this group because you know like like anything over time things can get stale and so he, he keeps it fresh for us james jones our guest here on the burns and gambo show by promoting cam johnson to the starting lineup you've now taken one of your top bench scorers out are, are what's your level of concern when it comes to scoring off the bench pop off the bench when the season starts james well you know we'll have to figure it out because like the progression of the team is you you have to at some point in time, you have to you have to make change and you have to progress. And you know that that's one thing we've been really good at over the last couple of years is having great bench depth. And and guys always step up, so I expect guys to step up. Um, but you know, if you still have five or six good players, you can play with lineups and get your starters playing against bench units. And even though your starters are scoring, they're scoring, they're giving you bench points. So I think that's that's the opportunity in front of us. Uh, we're we're in a situation where we can learn to use our starters as as reserves so that we can have balance across both units. I think that one of the reasons that, that Chris struggled against the Mavericks, to me, it's just I think it's just the every play and every, every day, every other day. I mean, it was so many games that you guys played every other day from the New Orleans series through the Dallas series, and that can wear on an older player. Your thoughts on, on what, what, what the organization will do to try to preserve Chris as best they can in the regular season. What will we see differently this year with him? I mean, well, we'll, we'll try different things, but I mean, I, I go back to the postseason. It's not a Chris Paul, 37, 38-year-old thing. I think we've seen players throughout the, the playoffs. I think I can point to Jason Tatum, guys who've struggled in the playoffs, and it's not because, you know, fatigue. It's just because they're playing against really, really good players. They're playing against the best competition. And so you have to give, you have to give kudos and take your hats off to the teams with really good players that play better than yours. So we'll talk about how we rest them. Um, but this isn't one of those things where you can just say, hey, if you rest them in February – he'll be ready in April. You know, you have to build towards that ability to play that way. And so in some instances, we'll have him playing high-minute games, consecutive nights or two games and three nights, so we can kind of program him for what it'll look like in the playoffs. But that's just not him. That's all of our guys because we've seen the same thing with some of our younger guys where they struggled in the playoffs. And, and that's not age. You know, that's really competition and, and situation. We've seen the best of campaign. We've seen the worst of campaign. It's very difficult to figure out, uh, you know, what you're going to get from him. He's very talented and very capable of being a dynamic, you know, backup point guard. We think he struggled a lot without Dario last year because of that floor spacing. Uh, with Dario back, do you think that will open things up a little bit more for campaign? 
I believe so. I mean, I, I think uh, what you'll notice is that our our guys, and just like most guys in the NBA, they play well with partners, and, and certain players have greater impacts on others. And, and Dario is a guy that had a strong impact on campaign's ability to be efficient, you know, playing in space, you know, popping to the three-point line, giving him lanes to drive, uh, giving him easy outlet passes. So I expect I expect Dario to have a huge impact, a positive impact on on Cam, and I think you know Cam helps Dario. So I'm looking forward to seeing him bounce back uh, because he knows, and we all know, that in, in order for for him to be effective for us, he has to play better, and uh, I expect he should. James, we really appreciate the time. As always, we appreciate the uh, the frank conversation and the honesty about everything going on. We look forward to seeing you tonight if we're lucky enough to bump into you. Good luck tonight. Good luck the rest of the season. I know we'll talk real soon. Thanks for the time. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, James. James Jones joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. A lot of stuff there, right? A lot of oh my stuff. God. A lot of stuff to break down. A lot of stuff. In fact, I think when we come back, we will talk about the Cardinals and their game coming up against the Saints. But I think we'll react for a moment or two to what James had to say about Cam Johnson, about DeAndre Ayton, about the bench, about Jay Crowder, all of that stuff. That's coming up next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Birds and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, I know there's a big game coming up tomorrow for the Cardinals, and I promise we'll, uh, if we run out of time in this segment, just keep it right here for the 4 o'clock reset, and we'll get you caught up on all the injury stuff you need to know about the Cardinals and the Saints because both teams are going to be missing a whole bunch of guys. But but Gimbo and I both, a couple things. When we were done talking with James Jones, general manager of the Suns, and of course today's opening day for the Suns, taking on the Mavs, we both kind of looked at each other like, okay, we got to talk about what he said, right? Yeah. We're, we're If you missed it, we're going to replay that interview a little later on in the show, probably in the 5 o'clock hour, because um, it was really, really, really good. Um, I, w- what stood out to you the most in our conversation with them, Gambo? Seem pretty confident that they're going to they're gonna get something done with Cam. Big part of what we're doing, we'll talk next summer. We had productive conversations, mutual interest. Look, I think Cam's betting on himself to make more money, and I think he's probably going to win that bet. <laughs> and so, um, But as I had said and reported last week, they were not, there was no uh, there was nothing that would not allow them to get a deal done with the ownership potential sale and uh, of the ownership with the ownership group. There was nothing that would have prevented them from getting a deal done if they wanted to. Here's James Jones on whether he and Cam Johnson, whether the organization and Cam Johnson got close to a contract extension. Yeah, I mean, I thought we had some really productive conversations, and and uh, it's one of those things where there's mutual interest on both sides, and you don't get it done now. But you know, we look towards the future. We, we know that Cam's a big part of what we're doing. He's going to step into a starting role this year and play tremendous uh, basketball. And uh, we'll be talking again next summer about how we keep him here for the long, long term. And while saying that, you know, he had the authority if he wanted to sign Cam Johnson to a contract, we asked him about Cam's comments yesterday in which Cam had said, you know, it was interesting. It was, it was really interesting negotiating with a team that kind of has an uncertain ownership situation right now. So we asked him about that and whether it was a fact 
factor in the negotiations with Cam? One of the factors, it's, it's not the overriding factor, but you, you look at it and say, you know, what does the next ownership group look like? You know, what's the direction they want to go? Um, like, are we at a different stratosphere? Um, are we, you know, continuing to, to, to build internally? Are we going to add, you know, something externally? And, and then just getting an understanding and having an understanding of, of who will be leading your franchise for a player like Cam. Um, and you talk about committing to a franchise long term. I thought, I think, and I still believe that's exciting for him. So um, it was a factor. Um, it didn't prevent us from doing anything, but it's definitely something that, that we both talked about and he thought about. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, he has a, a tremendous belief in his ability, and uh, we just couldn't come to an agreement. So maybe more of a factor for Cam than it was the Suns, because it didn't prevent them. It didn't prevent the Suns, but they had discussions about it. So it makes me wonder if, you know, for me, if it was maybe well, more of a factor for Cam Johnson than it was for James Jones. For example, I, and I'm just using this as a, as a hypothetical. Suns offer X million. Cam wants X times you know, or plus 20 million. Okay, whatever the case may be. And the Suns say, well, we can't go there because we don't know whether our new owner is going to want to go that deep in the luxury tax or not. So if you want to wait a year from now until we have an owner and that owner makes it clear how deep they're willing to go into the luxury tax to keep you, it might be in your best interest to wait. You know, and Cam, you know what? On second thought, you're right. It might be in my best interest to wait next year because then we'll know, is Jeff Bezos owning the Phoenix Suns? Is Bob Iger owning the Suns? Or is somebody who only kind of wants to go in the luxury tax owning the Suns? And so, I, I believe James, when he said we had the authority to make a deal, but I imagine there was a limit on what that deal looked like without knowing who your next owner was and certainly without knowing how deep into the tax that new owner was willing to go and Cam might have thought it was better off to wait until the ownership because we talked about this yesterday. Kellen did a great job writing about this on the website. Man, there are teams that kind of go over the tax and there are teams that go way over the tax. Golden State, LA, and the Nets. And the Nets. Which team are the Suns going to be? And that might the answer to that question might answer the question just how big of a contract can Cam Johnson expect to get, yeah. you know? And now I think there's I think there's a way you go over the tax for a Kevin Durant, and that may not be the same way you go over the tax for Cam Johnson. That's a great point, too. Like, there are certain guys we're going to be $100 million into the tax, 150 It's because I want a bona fide ass kicker, right? I, I want a Kevin Durant. Not that Cam Johnson isn't, but you know that, that level of certainty of what you're getting by going that far, that's a really good point. The Jay Crowder stuff. Let me can I play the cut? I've yeah. got it right here. Why no Jay Crowder deal? We haven't found uh, a deal, or we haven't been able to to, to execute one. Uh, we have options, and we're working through those options. But our real focus has been on you know this adjustment, this transition um, with our lineup, and, and the expected increase in role for for a lot of our guys, and, and those guys playing differently. Uh, so it's something that we'll monitor, it's something that we'll address. But for us right now, um, it's just one of the things that we're we're focused on this season. I, I'm 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 baffled by this one. I mean, I I thought that you had plenty of time to get a deal done and get a player in here that could that could help you and have time to practice with the team and and get adjusted to Tamani and, and the and the players, and that hasn't happened yet. And clearly. They and he, and as I've reported, they've got they've had and he's kind of backed this up. Th- there's deals available. Like and he said something to that point. There are deals available. They just don't have a deal that they love, so they they're going to be patient and they'll make the trade when they feel like they have a good deal for them. Yeah, and and he didn't. I, I loved your follow up question about um, 
you know, the culture that they've created here in Phoenix is one that, you know, is about brotherhood and togetherness and all for one and one for all. And how disappointing was it that Jay didn't want to be a part of that? And and, and James gave a pretty kind of, I, I think, stock answer on that one that, you know, this it's just part of the business and this is what happens. He mostly 99.3% slammed the door shut on any Jay Crowder return. Said, look, you never say never, but at this point, we're all focused on finding him a deal and getting him on somebody else's team. Because, you know, there's been kind of that underlying sense of, you know, could they just bring him back? Could he come back? Would they give him an extension? And James mostly slammed the door on that one. He left it a little, 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 little open, any, but not a lot. I wonder if any bridges were burned. I don't know. I wonder if any bridges were burned to make that not happen. I don't know. That's a that's a great question. Because, look, I'm just speaking selfishly here, not to take care of what I think. I'd still love for him to come back. You know, I'd love for everyone to just go, you know what, on not second as, thought. Not as good a team. No, they're not. Without, with, without him they're and not. no replacement. Yeah. I mean, you've got a $10 million salary that's not playing. It's like having a key guy. It's having one of your top six guys injured to start the season. Like, um, we'll see. I mean, it, I, I, I am surprised that they haven't made a trade up by now, but James James will be patient, and he'll he'll end up making a trade that's good for the team. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line? It's open for you right now at 620-620. When we come back, boy, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in sports. Some of it we haven't even gotten to yet. Lucky for us, the 4 o'clock reset is next here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.